Portland and I'm in Rio. Woohoo! Yeah, we didn't do this last year. This is kind of cool. I happened yeah, to catch you yeah. online, so we decided to, to go for it. But it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I'm experiencing some snow. It's supposed to be snowing heavily here in Portland today, but there's nothing on the road right now, so I'm okay. But uh, you are experiencing what? Rain? Some? Yeah, somewhat? they had some crazy rain earlier. Um, in the week on Wednesday night when I arrived. Um, but yeah, a couple people were killed, which is kind of, which is bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But in the area I was in, I was hanging out with Pauline and it's fine. We just Pauline episode what? Like two? Four? One of the early, one of the early ones. <laughs> yeah, three or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we were hanging out, but we were fine, but it was crazy. There was a lot of rain and it was wind was blowing and yeah. But anyway. We were and fine. What, but what have you seen since you've been there? Oh, man. Good question. I've seen... Uh, last night I went to Portela, and Portela played, obviously, but they had three other baterias that were there. One was Sal Clemente. The other one was uh, Porto de Pedra, which is like an A school. I had never seen them before. And then the last one was... Which I'm always calling Tutti Fruity, but it's Tui Chi. Tui Chi. And I love there in Hato this year, so I was pretty excited to get to see that but it didn't they didn't start until like five in the morning so we didn't i didn't get to bed till about 6 30 but it was it was worth it i uh, saw jimmy there and amy they're both playing with portella and i saw clarissa i gave her a go samba t-shirt it was cool to see her and all these other european folks that i had met last year i got to see all those guys so it was it was a fun reunion we met them out on the street is she playing with portella again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She usually plays with Portella and Nastasio. Nice. Yeah. And then tonight, what are you going to do? Tonight's Tijuca. Tonight, we'll see them in their in their quadra. So we'll see that. And then tomorrow is Ensayo Tecnico. They actually got some funding to put on an Ensayo Tecnico. So we'll see a bunch of, we'll get to go do that. So that'll, I'm super excited about that because they had canceled them last year. They just had one last year. So. And, yeah. and those are free, right? Yeah, yeah. They're free, and the whole the whole Samba school will parade through. Yeah, I think they're doing three every Sunday, something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. So funny to do. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Tons to do, and hopefully getting some interviews lined up. I'm trying to coordinate everybody on that. So yeah, we've got pretty- one lined up here this week. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully on Wednesday we'll get the get them all ready to go. So. It's pretty exciting. I'm also probably going to go check out Gabriel Policarpo's group, and the name is escaping me right now. Um, his uh, bloco, but I'll go check that out on Tuesday. Bye. And our good friend Dudu Fuentes has a new group as well. Mm-hmm. I'll be like going on Sunday before the Ensayo Technico. I'll be going to their rehearsal. What's it called again? Something green. Vagalumi. Yeah, Vagalumi okay. Verge, I think. Yeah. Nice. So all yeah, kinds of stuff happening in Rio. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. It'll be fun to see a, a lot of the people from his, from Dudu's group last year are playing in this group this year, so I'll get to see a lot of those folks again. So you'll know some people. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. There's just too much to do every day. Yeah. FOMO. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but today we are bringing you a podcast that we recorded about a month ago with Carlos Oliveira. He's also known as Caco. He's the founder and executive director of the New York Samba School and the Brazilian Council on Samba, which is a nonprofit. He was born and raised in Rio de Janeiro. He has worked as a musician, a percussionist, a writer, producer, and a community organizer. These are all manifestations of his lifelong love for Afro-Brazilian culture in its various iterations, but particularly his love for samba. 
musician of extreme versatility, Gakko performs in the samba, bossa nova, full hall, and jazz idioms as a sit-in and recording musician, event producer, and workshop leader. He has played and produced Brazilian music experiences in iconic New York venues like Cipriani, Griffin, Sabrosa, Bonafide Jazz Club, Village Underground, Cielo, and Havana Central. He has also presented at museums and educational institutions, including the American Museum of Natural History, El Museo del Barrio, Brooklyn Museum, Brooklyn Library, Long Island University, Westchester Community College, NYU, Columbia University, and Kingsborough Community College. In 2015, Kako performed at the Ford Foundation and for the UN in commemoration of the launch of the global CUFA, Central Unica das Favelas. In September of 2017, he produced and organized the project Esquenta do Brasil Day, a pre-Brazilian day event for which he directed an ensemble of 45 percussionists and other musicians in a festive procession from Times Square to Little Brazil in New York City. Carlos continues to develop community projects and other educational and artistic programming that highlights Brazilian culture. He is continually producing and organizing Carnaval do Povo project. It's scheduled to take place in June of 2019. This project aims toward bringing together adults and youth Latinos, Caribbeans, and all organized communities of African descent to celebrate the solstice, exchange culture, and carnival experiences. So we had a good time talking with Carlos and like just kind of uh, talking about all kinds of things. So I hope you enjoy it. Beat everybody. We are here getting to know the Brazilian percussion and music making community one interview at a time. And this is Courtney. And this is Diana. Good morning or good evening, wherever you are. <laughs> How are you doing, Diana? I'm okay. Uh, it's, it's been a while since we've done this. I know. Sorry, listeners. We're, we've got a lot on our plates recently, so we're coming back to you now. So I'm We've glad. got a good one, too. Yeah, we do. Who do we have today, Courtney? Today we have Carlos de Oliveira or Gaku de Oliveira. Did I say that correctly? That's correct. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, yes. So, Gaku, you are living in New York City and you have, among a, like a bunch of other things you've been doing, you've started... Um, the Brazilian Council on Samba, and um, we'd like to hear more about that and more about you. But first, tell us a little bit about you, like um, where you grew up and and how you got involved with Samba. It's a long story. I'm kind of old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're ready for your story. Yeah, been in the United States for about 18 years, uh, dealing with the education, activism, um and of course, music, culture, samba. Uh, I'm gonna give a little bit of my background. I'm a son. Yes. I'm a son of a working class family. And my father was a musician, a drummer, and my mother was a seamstress. Uh, after my parents got divorced, separated, I went to live with my aunt and grandmother. And my aunt was a um, Afro-Brazilian religious priestess. Mm -hmm. That's my my first relationship with the drumming in Afro-Brazilian culture. I was the age of a six. And uh, what city was this? That was Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Rio de Janeiro. So the drumming, the percussion uh, is in my life since uh, my early age. When my mother uh, sent me to live with my aunt and my grandmother, it was basically to uh, go to school because she didn't have the means to you know to uh, keep us together. Mm -hmm. So 
I grew up seeing her struggle as a woman, basically having to work to raise three children. Three children. Uh, my father was absent uh, most of the time. However, he never um, taught me how to hold a drumstick. Talking about my past, it can get me a little bit, you no. Know, um, Emotional. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants for us to have a different life than his life, as a as a struggle musician in Rio de Janeiro. He used to play uh, at the famous Gafieira place called Estudantina. I don't know if you ever been there. I don't mm-hmm. know if you it exist, but it was in a um, in a Praça Tiradentes in Rio de Janeiro. He was the lead leading. Uh, uh, musician in the band. What was his name? His name was Walter. And sometimes he used to take me there to see him play. And that helped me also get a taste for music, gafieira, bolero, jazz, um, all those you know, rhythms that, that they played at the, this place. The only type of music that I didn't really like was tango, because I was always sleeping when they played tango. <laughs> I found it a little bit boring, but uh, now I I like it much better than when I was like 10, 18, not 18, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old. After that, I started more um, getting into more of my own things. So my my growing up in the the Afro-Brazilian religious temple, basically playing that kind of drum um, helped me understand a little bit more deep uh, later what samba is about you know that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the playing the way people play samba uh, basically samba coming from um, people from the afro descent that they normally you know practice afro brazilian religion their way of a playing has to do of playing samba has to do with the way they actually play make basically either umbanda or candomblé. I played both, mm-hmm. umbanda and candomblé. Uh, and that helped me a lot, actually, to teach people how to understand uh, the beats that we play. Then I went to school. Uh, and before I went, uh, I mean, when I say I went to school, I mean uh, college degrees, right? I studied mm-hmm. psychology, theology, and music. So, but music has been my my whole life. That's what I use to do activism. That's what I use when I'm stressed. You know, when I want to you know, cheer up people. Music is the best in my life. That's part of my life. That's part of who I am. Um, I also uh, played capoeira from the age of fourteen until thirties. I got involved with the samba school when I was about 20-something years old. Yeah, Imperio Serrano foi, was the first samba school that I uh, was part of the bateria. I started mm-hmm. playing Agogo, even though I was, I was already you know, um, founding uh, Afro-Brazilian groups you know, called Blocos Afros. I don't know if you ever heard about them. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. The most famous is uh, Mileae in Salvador. And Olodum. Mm-hmm. But in Rio de Janeiro, we also have a couple of you know, uh, great uh, blocos afros. You know, I was one of the founders of uh, a couple of them. So that's my, my background as a musician. You know, that's um, a person who. Uh, what were the names of the blocos afros that you started uh, in Rio? In Rio, it's, um, let me see if I still remember the names. Aguibara Dudu, it was one of them. Um, Lemi Ayo, another one. And there was one in Niterói that I helped also with the, the ensemble, drum ensemble, but I don't recall the name. Gotcha. Interesting. Are they still going? I'm not sure. Yeah. It's been about five years since the last time I went to Rio. So I don't know if mm-hmm. you do. Um, I'll have to look them up when I go. Yes, <laughs> I can send you. Uh, I can send you some names and uh, information. Yeah, them. yeah, 
That'd be great. So, Kaka, when did you come to the United States and what prompted that? Um, in 1999, I'm thinking, yes, in 1998, um, a friend of mine who was living in California proposed me to this event, this exchange uh, event. 1999 coming and staying, living here. I am mm-hmm. being an, uh, an activist. I wanted to go to Africa, get to know more about my history. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was my goal. The United States was not in my radar until we, I met my ex-wife now. But I came. Um, I was finishing theology. It was six months left. Uh, she was going to have a surgery. Um, I stayed with her in the hospital. Then I went to her mother's house. And she was teaching. She was a PhD. She is a PhD teacher. Af- um, African-American. She teaches African-American history at hmm. uh, LIU. And um, when I came back from Connecticut, she was in Connecticut. From We came back from Connecticut to New York to pack, pack my bags and stuff and go back to Brazil. Uh, she didn't let me go. <laughs> <laughs> she did her tricks, you know, and I decided to stay. <laughs> I decided to stay because, but I told, but I told her, I'm all, I don't want to be here uh, illegal, you know, because I saw, you know, the time that I stayed here for about two months, I was in contact with the people that was illegal immigrants Mm-hmm. And I saw the struggle, that struggle, and I said, "I'm not going to stay here as a legal immigrants. If you're gonna, if you want me to stay here, we need to marry." So we had planned to actually marry the following year. So we anticipated the marriage, and so I could just stay. So I married, I married her, and I started. You know, one year later, you know, uh, I started. Of course, I started learning English at LIU, English as a second language, and I could not work, make money, because uh, I didn't have a working permit. Mm-hmm. And when my working permit came, I started you know, doing my teaching Portuguese, mm. teaching drumming, teaching music, and that's how I was making my living. That's what I do so far. So the first group that I founded here was the... Uh, Brooklyn Community Samba School for Social Justice Project. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's huge, but the name says everything, right? Right, it's all yeah. encapsulated in that name. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Brooklyn Community Samba School for Social Justice Project. And so then, that was like two thousand or two thousand one, something like that. Two thousand one. Yeah. Two thousand one, and then the Brooklyn Samba School for Social Justice Project did a couple of you know. Uh, uh, parades with the Brooklyn Parents for Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a bunch of stuff here in Brooklyn. And then um, one person recorded our participation and gave us the the CD with the video, uh, with the recording. And the, the, because the name was too big, uh, they Shortened the name, became Brooklyn Samba School. And they were like, well, it's not a bad thing in terms of a marketing, <laughs> Brooklyn Samba School. And then it became New York Samba School because it was mm-hmm. a little bit broader than. Uh, and then we, that's when we actually um, filed uh, with the states and became a real nonprofit organization, Brooklyn mm-hmm. Samba School. I mean, New York Samba School. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I've seen your Facebook page. Yeah. After doing some activities with the New York Samba School, like in shows and events uh, uh, in Brooklyn, in the Bronx, basically in New York, actually going upstate to New York uh, with the organization, uh, doing lectures about Samba. That was the mm. main thing that I wanted to do, more than shows. Because I saw a bunch of people that were doing Samba but didn't have much background, you know, about the history of mm-hmm. the samba and what right. they were, didn't know what they were talking about. Mm. And I thought it was important. That was my role. That's what I mean. Yeah. I would be much uh, useful, not repeating what everybody was doing, but doing something different. Yeah. That's what I did in 2000, from 2001 to, to uh, 2016. Um, and between... 2001 and 2016, of course, I've been watching uh, the development of a evol- the, the, um, how samba and carnival evolved in the world. And I understood that I, it was time to create an organization that would you know, link people together, I mean, people from Brazil. Also, we in New York, we don't have um, um, a strong group that promote samba and carnaval, and the leaders are Brazilians. The majority of the organizations, they are led by non-Brazilians. And that was something that was like, um, I think we need to have an organization that is led by Brazilians and can bring all the the knowledgeable people from Brazil uh, to teach so to uh, exchange, uh, my relationship with other communities in, in Brooklyn was basically through the Caribbean community. So they, uh, uh, they embraced me and I embraced them as a family. So mm-hmm. I started up linking Brazil, Brazil's carnival with the uh, Caribbean carnival. So I've been doing a bunch of stuff. So creating the... the Brazilian Council on Samba is a way to uh, connect the culture of Brazil, the Samba, the Carnaval, with uh, the whole world. And also, at the same time, uh, giving support to people that leave Brazil and go to other countries. And they face a lot of, you know, distress, a lot of uh, uh, prejudice, a lot of... uh, uh, negative things that happen to their lives and they don't have any support. The Brazilian consulate don't, uh, doesn't support them the way they think they should. I see the way America treats Americans outside. I think the same way Brazil should treat Brazilians outside. You know, support them. So the Brazilian Council on Samba, are you, you guys are in particularly focusing on supporting like sambistas in Brazil who want to move outside Brazil or you're, or can you explain more exactly like how you're supporting that community? Sure. Um, first we need to understand who are those Brazilians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm talking about. Most of the people that actually make samba, make carnaval what they are today they are not rich people. They are not middle class people. They are normally struggle, uh, struggling workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live in, in favelas. They live in hills. That's what the way they cope with the, the stress. And they don't even think of you know traveling around the world, you know, either for fun or for work, etc. Those that actually have the opportunity to think, to go to school and think of you know coming to uh, going to Europe, or going to Asia, or going coming to America, um, they lack information about those countries, about those uh, uh, places. And focusing in the United States, focusing in New York, I see people that come here. Um, they know how to dance, but they don't. They don't want to dance first. Because they think that uh, there are other things that they can do better than just dance samba for for living. And I see other people, they are like doctors, economists, etc., Americans or non-Brazilians. 
they embrace samba and they, regardless of the job that they have, you know, they want to, you know, they have proud, they, they have pride in dancing samba and performing. And this was something that was troubled. I was troubled by that kind of a behavior. Uh, what they do when they come here, they're going to be um, uh, cleaners. They're going to be working uh, as babysitters and they don't want to dance. But like, but you, but when they go to clubs, they are they are dancing, but they don't want to do this professionally. And then, mm-hmm. and I understood that. I bumped into a couple of uh, girls that I insisted them, you know, to start dancing professionally, and they didn't want to. That's one of the things. Second thing that you know, made me think about it was the fact that they don't have, they didn't have the means either to even get a passport. You know, even to get a visa is very expensive for them, you know, a hundred something dollars. And let alone getting approved, you know, getting yeah. the visa yeah. to come here. So that's one of the, 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 the ideas that I had, you know. And renting uh, in New York is, is, is outrageous, you know. Yes, yes. Living in New York is not easy. So one of the ideas that I have once, you know, the Brazilian Council on Samba, you know, become a little bit more stronger, uh, get some more muscle, is to rent a house, you know, to house these people for a while until they get you know, on their feet, uh, their own, and mm-hmm. have these people, you know, make it easier for these people. Um, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about Carlinho de Jesus, I'm not talking about Chocolate, I'm not talking about these kind of people. I'm talking mm-hmm. about other people. They're still not famous as those that mm-hmm. I just mentioned, you know, but are very talented, you know, and they can be very useful here creating shows. You know, I'm talking about New York, but it's not true only for New York. I believe in Texas, you know, has a, a great carnival in Texas, California. Also, right. a lot mm-hmm. of people go to California um, because of the weather, they go to Florida also, but I, I don't see. Um, I envision um, better opportunities for Brazilians. They are involved with the Samba Carnival and and linking with the other cultures. Also, as I said, Trinidad has an amazing carnival, mm-hmm. you know. And it, we always kind of you know joke uh, that we compete, you know, in terms of uh, which one has the best carnival. What is a Negro Trinidad? Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. They are different, you know. But I haven't noticed how Brazil, Rio de Janeiro's carnival has impacted, you know, many different countries' carnival. Oh, sure. Yeah. We've interviewed so many people. It's all over the world now. Uh-huh. Why, why, would, the, uh, why would people who have formerly danced and played in, in Brazil when they come to New York not, not even want to consider dancing or playing here? It's not an issue with New York. It's an issue with the other countries that they that people traveled that they were uh, perceived uh, as uh, prostitutes, go-go girls, and oh. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. You, know, you don't you understand? So they, yeah. people mm-hmm. don't the country, they don't understand why people dance half-naked, you know. Right. And they have to adapt. Some people don't understand that. They don't want to be bad mouthed by their parents, by the whoever. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That's the reason why they feel comfortable dancing naked in in, in the sambodrum, but they don't feel comfortable wearing a, even a boa here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because like uh, American culture doesn't have a context for that other than you know, unless someone has been involved with mm-hmm. um, you know some of these carnival cultures like yeah i could totally see how like some super american conservative or even you know just as just a normal american person would be think it's maybe you know something that it isn't yeah Hmm. that's too bad yeah we have to have eyes you know to see those uh aspects of uh, people's lives people yeah it's also partially that like some of the like uh maybe i'll cut this part out but what i'm gonna say but some of the like 
you know, stripper culture, I guess you could call it here in the United States have incorporated like aspects of feathers yeah. and, and the sort of show of that, you know, and without the, the, yeah, the background or the yeah, knowledge. the knowledge behind it or even know what they're doing. You know, Americans are very good at, um, stealing things and, um, <laughs> appropriating other cultures for our own shallow means. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hmm. But um, you, what you are doing is something important also uh, that help people take Brazilian culture into schools. You know, you're offering drums, you know, and that's that's extremely important. So people don't have uh, – uh, here in New York, there was a place called uh, Drummers – Oh my God, I forgot the name. It's been closed for about five or six years or more. Uh, that they were the ones that actually offering drums here, but they closed. They then we don't have any more uh, any place that can we can go and buy drums like Brazilian samba drums. Yeah, yeah, Brazilian samba drums that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Now, Carlos, going going uh, back in time here, when you first started um, the samba school. How did you deal with that? Or did you get your drums through them? Or um, did a lot of people already have their own drums? I went to Brazil and I brought uh, uh, drums. Gotcha. I bought mm -hmm. it, brought them here. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, that's an interesting question because uh, even though we were doing shows, uh, my idea initially it was uh, to have a, uh, a samba school, same model of a Rio de Janeiro Samba School. Then I understood that my role was not exactly to do that. It was something different. Back then, nowadays, I, I think my, my, my mind is completely different. I think differently toward um, my role here as a, as a musician, as a Samba promoter uh, or Brazilian culture promoter as a large. Um, the idea of New York Samba School was to give lectures, to be a place where people come and learn and go find, find, uh, uh, found your own samba school, understand? Ah, oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. That was the main idea. So I was going to different colleges, you know, um, teaching workshops, you know, taking my drums there, teaching workshops, and now, uh, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. But I'm now I'm very much. Uh, interested in accomplishing the Brazilian Council on Samba. I see the mission of the Brazilian Council on Samba is way stronger uh, and way more necessary uh, than just you know, uh, maintain a Samba school. Yeah, interesting. So is, is the Brazilian Council on Samba like a 501c3 nonprofit? It is a nonprofit and is getting, we are filing for the 501c3. Gotcha. Uh, now. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. We found the uh, Brazilian Council on Samba in 2016. And it's not easy, you know, to have a board, a strong board that, yeah. you know, with you and, uh, and want to accomplish everything that uh, you dream. So uh, that's one of the issues that we have here. We have a project called uh, Carnaval do Povo. In the beginning, it was People's Carnaval, and I decided to maintain uh, the name in Portuguese, Carnaval do Povo. I was mm -hmm. always translating People's Carnaval, Carnaval do Povo, People's Carnaval, Carnaval do Povo. Someone <laughs> that understand uh, a little bit more of a marketing said, you have to decide either going to be using Carnaval do Povo or People's Carnaval. It's not like Carnaval do Povo. And so the name of the project is Carnaval do Povo. It's a, it's a Five-phase project. It involves uh, a forum, or forum, um, that we are going to be bringing people from all over the world to New York. We want to start at the UN uh, to talk about samba and carnival, but not carnival from Rio de Janeiro only. It's the relationship between samba and carnival all over the world. So I found out, have you interviewed anybody from Nigeria? 
Samba school from Nigeria? No, but we no, want, want to. We want to. Yeah, Echo Samba school. Yes. So they came off London Samba school, I believe, yes. right? Is that, yes. that was the, with the Is that Mystery Samba Fred? School? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think Fred did that, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it was exactly Fred, but I think it was someone that was Fred's student. Oh, okay. He was Nigeria, and he decided to create his own samba school in Nigeria. And I think he's been successful, even though yeah, most of the rhythms that he plays was... Uh, uh, um, uh, I don't want to use the name Asher, because it's not exactly... But uh, samba reggae. Mm-hmm. He was playing samba reggae, and then he, then he started you know, using a little bit more of a Rio de Janeiro uh, beat, samba beat. Gotcha. Uh, I want to bring him also here. But we have a samba schools in Africa, uh, in Angola, in Mozambique. That was my, my and New, Nigeria was my first contact. In Europe, of course, we have a lot of you know uh, samba schools and organization and event, big mm-hmm. events. Um, that I actually want to travel also. Maybe we can plan to travel together, Corny. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of the things that you've been involved with are kind of this, are really in in lines quite a bit with the, the um, goals of this podcast to kind of spread mm-hmm. information. We're more of spreading the information, I guess, to other Americans. And, well, and other, it's like to the community that loves... Brazilian music outside of Brazil. Um, we focus a lot on samba and and the drumming aspects of that. But yeah, it's it's cool. I feel like our 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 missions dovetail quite nicely. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to do together. I'm sure about it. Mm-hmm. And I liked you the first moment that I spoke to you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you as well. And you're so positive and happy when we talked on the phone. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about um, the Ford Foundation and the UN and, and what you've got going on there? Uh, the forum, yeah. So we are bringing uh, educators, artists, activists, um, famous uh, artists, involved, of course, involved, involved in Samba. Uh, Martinho da Vila is being honored, is going to be honored on this forum. Mm. Um, you know Martinho da Vila? Of course. Okay. Uh, besides the forum, we have uh, art, um, visual arts exhibition. Also, we are going to be bringing movies um, about samba in Carnival, uh, paintings, book launchings. And this is for a specific event, or this is going to be like a demonstration at the UN, or can you? What, what a is specific? It? We are we are we are in contact with uh, different uh, um, universities here. Uh, besides the fact that we are going to be have a, have the opening at the UN, okay, but uh, it's going to be spread out in, uh, throughout uh, New York. Okay, cool. Uh, all, uh, uh, at the UN, uh, the forum. The forum and the art exhibition, so two basically events. And then we have workshops in different schools, schools that I teach, schools that my partners, you know, because uh, we have several uh, organizations helping to build the Carnaval do Povo. It's not only the Brazilian Council on Samba. Uh, and those organizations are from uh, the Caribbean community also. People from Haiti, people from Trinidad, uh, people from Panama. Yeah, cool. So we all together creating, you know, this Carnaval do Povo. Hmm. Sounds sounds really awesome. Um, I'm in contact also with the the Brazilian tourism and the New York tourism also uh, to create an event. It's part of the project, but to different events. Uh, that is going to be kind of a, a fair and a cultural exchange also. And a parade, of course. And the parade is my... Uh, I don't know how to... Uh, anyone speak Portuguese? Does anyone speak Portuguese in that? Diana Where does, you, and I'm yeah. learning. 
Diana does. Uh, yes. How do I say connection. Menina dos Olhos? Do you know that? No. Menina, uh, what was menina the first? Dos olhos. Menina dos Olhos? Like, yeah. The girl of the menina. golden girl? No. <laughs> when, when you have... When you have several things that you do, but there is one specific that you that's the main thing that you like the most. Hmm. You have pride, you know, on doing that. Or, or. So the parade is my menina dos olhos. Like your hobby? Like kind of like a hobby, right? Or like but that uh, would be like your your passion. Favorite. Like your yeah. your passion, passion project. project. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my passion project. The 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 parade. The parade and the fair also. So this is going to be in 2020 because we need a lot of, um, you know, um, connections mm -hmm. and a lot of money. You know, it's kind of a, over a million, uh, a million and a half, you know, dollars project. I mean, events. Mm -hmm. uh, so right there we have... The parade, the fair, the forum, the artist, um, visual art exhibition, and the workshops at, in schools. So those are the five, you know, events that make up the uh, Carnaval do Povo project. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds exciting. Easy. <laughs> Very busy. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. How... What, how do you go after, so a lot of people here in the United States have ideas for projects and things, but do you have any recommendations for people on where to look for grants and who, like what kind of organizations to talk to about organizing and things like that? Um, I would say uh, here in New York, the New York Department of Culture, you mm -hmm. know, we are in New York, we pay taxes here, so we deserve some money from them. So we just need to be organized, you know, and that's my goal with the Brazilian Council on Samba, be organized enough, you know, to be respected enough. Of course, uh, this respect is going to uh, bring the Brazilian community some, you know, um, some, some respect. Yeah. You know, that's all we want, a little bit of a respect. That's inspiring. You're an inspiring person. This is really cool. The name that you mentioned, like Philip Galinska, a guy that I have a strong respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Donna, also from Brook, um, Harlem Samba. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, who else? Tracy, they started Batala and then created the uh, Fogo Azul. Oh, Stacy. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Stacy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we want to talk people... to her. You tell her we want to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. We did a lot of stuff together, and we're going to do more. Great. You know, awesome. she's a great person. Wonderful. So all the people that I mentioned, um, I want them be, to be part of the forum because uh, they have something to say. I, uh, I personally like uh, the Harlem Samba a lot. I know the work that he does with those kids, mainly because he worked with the kids. Yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing. Yeah, right. I always refer him, but he never, it's funny. The funny thing is, I always try to contact him, but he never replies. <laughs> He's probably busier than I am. Yeah, you just have to keep at it with him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, we, um, Dana's, uh, I keep saying this to people. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but um, his uh, doctoral dissertation is a great read. And I know that those words don't usually go together, doctoral dissertation and great read, but they are. I think everyone should read read that, especially if you were raised in like a Western sort of learning Western music and you kind of learn about like kind of the top down ways in which we've learned music in school and how different it is to teach samba in schools it's 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 a really 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 good read i'm going to read it again <laughs> i already read it once but i'm planning on reading it again okay i will yeah it's there's a link to it on our on our website everybody under the dana montero uh episode i don't remember which number that is 
There is another name that I want to add also. She's Brazilian. She teaches uh, samba here in New York. Mm -hmm. Daniele Lima. Oh, Daniele is great. Yeah, she's been out to California to uh, teach at California Brazil camp. Yeah, she's an amazing person, amazing teacher. You know, she's she's passionate about samba also. Um, I think she should be interviewed by you guys also. Um, Dana's episode, I'm going to interject here. Dana's episode is episode 18. I was just looking forward to it. Yeah. I want to check all the episodes that you How many people have you interviewed already? Um, we're going on 40, aren't we? This will be like number, we're almost at 50 um, episodes. Two of them aren't, aren't interviews, but um, yeah, we've interviewed quite a few. Like forty-eight up, forty-eight interviews. Wow, it's more than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah, but that's my life here in New York. Um, I, I live in Brooklyn. Uh, it's not, it's not easy to have a goal, have a mission, and accomplish that because not everybody understands and people who understand sometimes they want to steal your ideas and I don't care uh, I think I don't know what kind of God you believe I believe in God you know I'm not going to name any God but I believe in God and I believe that I, he gave me the power of have you know uh, brilliant ideas and put those ideas into practice and that's what I'm doing right now. I, I want to uh, see who want to join me, you know, um, on this path to promote Brazilian culture uh, and support Brazilian artists uh, and make the world a little bit better. Because uh, the reason why you are involved with the samba it's because you saw something positive in the samba community. Of course, there's a lot of uh, negative stuff going on, but you saw something that is worthy to uh, dedicate your time. And if you saw that, I think it's a little bit selfish if you keep it for yourself. You want to know everybody to know about it. So that's my goal. That's my mission. I want everybody to know about it. That's beautiful. Great. Yeah. It makes, I, I feel like it makes everything better. <laughs> I mean, I think for a lot of people who are attracted to it, at least from, you know, people who didn't grow up in the culture, I can speak from that perspective is that, you know, the first time you hear it or see it, you're so like taken by it. It's almost like it just grabs you and pulls you in. You didn't, you don't have a choice and it makes yeah. you better. It, it makes the world a better place. You can, when you learn to play and then you perform, you see how happy it makes other people. And yeah, it's only positive. There's only positive things that come out of it. And I'm in New York. New York is a city. It's a very stressful city. Mm -hmm. So it, it's the best place to have summer schools, <laughs> to have carnival, because the people are all stressed all the time. Depression, mm -hmm. stress, all those things that, you know, Samba is the medicine. Mm. Yeah. For all these kind of you know, things that you know, bring our spirit down. Yeah. So we have to bring the people's spirit up. And kids, you know, keep having fun. Keep showing them the positive way of a living. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. My whole life has been dealing with this education, culture, activism. So anything that I do, is these three things got to be involved. That's why the uh, Carnaval, do, I mean, the Brazilian Council on Samba and the Carnaval do, do Povo Project, uh, is the thing that I'm gonna do until I die. Because it has everything, all the three components activism, culture, and education. Mm -hmm. And wellness. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had an idea, and um, you can cut this out, Courtney. <laughs> but I was thinking that the community organizers like you there's some on the west coast too brazilians really like it would be great for you guys to get together and have like a form and share ideas um to have a more whole vision like in the united states that's awesome that's awesome thanks for saying 
Yeah, but I think it would be great for all those, you know, from, you know, East, West, Middle America. All you organizers would be great to um, get together. All these people, um, at least the, the majority of the people, they're actually been doing great things in terms of a Brazilian culture. Uh, Samba specifically, I do my best to connect with them. Mm -hmm. But of course, I don't know everybody. And whoever you guys uh, know that have similar uh, idea or approach to Samba or Carnival, uh, send them to me. I would love sure. to know, contact them. Yeah. And I appreciate the offering. Uh, yeah, and listeners, if you're listening, um, contact Carlos. We'll have all his, um, well, no, sorry, Cacao. No, Kaku. We'll have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have all of your contact information in our show notes so yeah if you're interested in some of these things or you you've got something to offer um let them know connect everybody it's great to connect that's what this podcast is about making connections and question also if you guys have questions uh, i'm more than willing to answer if i can I've got a, actually a question, and you've talked about this some, but um, organizing and doing all these things you've done takes a lot of work, and um, you know, starting something new can sometimes be a lot of heartache and things like that. What inspires you to keep going? What inspires me to keep going? Um, being, uh, I'm trying to, oh, also to reinvent myself in terms of uh, uh, mm. what is there that is not it hasn't been done before and is important to be done. So that's what I'm, you know, I'm always trying to be creative, innovative. You know, that's me. I don't copy anybody. That's what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Always trying to be creative. Yeah. You know, and applaud people who have good ideas and try to support them. Like I'm, uh, I'm trying to support the Go Samba. I think the good idea, you know, I want to spread. I haven't put it in my website yet because my website is being updated. And I spoke to my web uh, uh, manager, and he's going to be doing that next week. So, but uh, yes, nice. Nice. and anybody else that has a good um, good job, you know, has been doing great things in terms of a samba uh, or carnival or Brazilian culture. I want to promote them. You know, the world needs to know about them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You were saying earlier about um, people have stolen your ideas. I, th I think sometimes it's okay if someone steals your idea because really the ideas are, are really powerful and really good, but it takes a lot of execution. And most people don't have the execution skills, of yeah. skills, you know, like it takes so much work. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I'll take this idea, but they don't know how or really have the follow through to really execute like like you have you've already proven that you can and you do so i don't think you need to worry about about anyone stealing ideas because the the idea is worth a lot but also it's you know the follow through exactly and the intention behind it too. yeah right that's a good point that's a yeah. good point if someone's coming at you're right diane if someone's coming out with the intention of showing themselves want to make money or yeah selfish goals like it's different so right mm -hmm. now our goal is to you know increase the number of members it's a membership organization uh oh yeah you want to depend on uh government grants of course if you can get grants from the government and we are going to apply but uh we want to be uh self uh, what you say uh, not self-sufficient, but I think funded. Yeah, self-sufficient. That works. Yeah, but that's not the word that I want to use. Something else. Mm. Uh, we don't sustaining. Wanna... Yeah, self-sustaining. That's the word. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things that I, I noticed that a lot of organizations, you know, they start and they end because the government, you know, cut the grants, the funding. Right, right. And the, mom, the, the moments that they were receiving grants, they receiving money from government or even from a private sector, they should create, be able to create, you know, uh, have res other resource, you know, 
to be self-sustained. You know, that's my strategy with the Brazilian Council on Samba. I don't plan to be the president of Brazilian Council on Samba forever. I'm already thinking uh, who can do this job better than I do. And I want to just you know, continue to be the CEO, uh, the founder and the CEO of the organization. Mm -hmm. And also always trying to find who can replace me as a CEO, who can, you know, uh, Who, who is here that can be the marketing professional? Who is here that can be involved in the Samba community, that can be um, the educator director? You know, stuff like that. Staffing the, some, the, the Brazilian Council on Samba with the Brazilians or people who actually have their heart, you know, uh, mind and heart to do good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm looking at your website. It looks like you guys have different membership levels. You can, um, the general membership looks like the most popular one and it's $10 a month or $110 annually. So you guys can join and support this um, this really awesome program and uh, be a part of Carnival de Povo Project and um, support the Brazilian Council on Samba. That's a really cool thing. It would have like mm -hmm. a recurring monthly thing. And so your, your group kind of knows that you'll have support for a while. What a wonderful program. Yes. So the membership, uh, besides the fact that, mem that we have a membership program, we also have the e-commerce. For instance, uh, when we get in contact, I want us to help to sell your drums, you know, through our e-commerce program. Ah, gotcha. And so you have like a store? Yeah. Kind of a thing? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Also, I already contacted two schools. Uh, and I've been telling them, you need to buy drums. There is this organization that sells Brazilian drums, etc. to see if they... Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's you, because you, your focus was, when, what, uh, for what I read, your focus was basically getting drums, those drums into schools, right? Mm -hmm. so, that's part of it, yeah. yeah. part of it. I'm thinking of uh, purchasing some for me, too. Yeah, so for school programs like public school programs, I've I've got some. Um, give me a call, like I can I can help work out some discounts for for school programs. Sure. But yeah, yeah. I have two schools that I've been teaching, and they and the kids are at a point that they need the real drums. They've been using buckets. Yeah. Like I always refuse to use buckets. I always like, no, you guys have a, a, a budget. You can buy you know the real drums. This is the United States, not no no favela place. <laughs> use, your, use your money the music programs are so underfunded here though it's yeah. like they gotta do what they can do sometimes yes that's true yeah. and I've been using yeah. buckets yes buckets and, and drumsticks and I've been doing a lot my point is I teach music I don't teach banging drums you know those right. they learn how to play same thing that Dana does with the Harlem uh, samba mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, Harlem drummers I do with my kids. They learn how to play quarter note, eighth note, sixteen note. You know, all those things that it's important for them as a musician to read music. You know, kids from uh, six, seven, eight till twelve years old, they are learning how to read music. They are learning how to cre be creative. And I've been working with uh, not just um, uh, that uh, that kind of a drums. I'm working with the digital drumming also. So with the what drumming? Digital. Oh, digital. 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 Oh, digital. Sorry. Digital. I want to. I want to use more birimbau, but I. I know. It's difficult to get the birimbaus into schools. They think they're threatening. It's kind of dangerous. Oh, really? For kids, yeah. Because it's so long. Yeah. So. The drumming thing is is going well. With the awesome, good. We soon we are going to start doing a lot of business together, Corny. I hope so. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like a good partnership. <laughs> But I want to thank you uh, very much for inviting me to be part of this uh, podcast. Now spreading uh, the word about the Brazilian Council on Samba and the Carnaval do Povo project. Whoever uh, 
call you uh, and try to get more information about the project, how they can be part of it, how they can parade with us, uh, uh, showcase at the, the fair that we are going to put it together. Uh, feel comfortable and contact me, send me their information, I will contact them. So Brazilian Council on Samba.org. So you can find all the information there. And thank you so much for yes, for being willing much, to come Apple. on the podcast. Is there anything else that you we didn't ask you that you would like um, everyone to know? My telephone number. You can, <laughs> <laughs> they can call me whenever they want. And the email, the email address is Brazilian Council on Samba at gmail.com. And your phone number? 347-458-4681. Great. And we will have those on um, the show notes for this at um, thebrazilianbeat.com and um, under, under your episode. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with with Kaku and you guys got a lot out of that. He's a really interesting person and has done a lot. And it's interesting to hear about someone on the on the East Coast, right? Just doing a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just such a, a community activist. You know? Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. amazing. All the music that you're going to hear in this episode is music I've recorded here in Rio at the Samba Schools. It might be a little uh, blowing out your speakers, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I got. It's super loud. So, um, yeah, um, I'm not going to blast your eardrums, but yeah. And you can hear some of the or see some of the videos that Courtney has taken um, on our Facebook page. Yeah, I just I've been doing some live videos and things like that. So that's and on the Go fun. Samba page. Go Samba! Go Samba! That's right! This episode is sponsored by Go Samba, where you can buy Brazilian percussion instruments online, except for not right now. I turned <laughs> the website off. Don't <laughs> well, try I'm done, because I'm not there to, uh, to uh, send them out. But you can still go shop. You just can't check out, I think, is how it's supposed to work. Or if you really want something that Courtney might be able to get in Rio. Yeah, let know. me know. Let me know. I'm bringing back some, uh, probably bringing back some quad bells or some, another group. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Let nice. me know what you want. Yeah. A couple other little orders I've gotten. Yeah. Very good. So, you guys want to see photos of our guests and photos of us? You can go to www.thebrazilianbeat.com. If you have suggestions or want to show off your group, you can email us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Diana's tweeting at Twitter at BrazilianBeat1. We're on Facebook, the Brazilian Beat Podcast. And yeah, check us out. Communicate. And We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. It's it's always good to hear from people. And we haven't heard from some of our old time <laughs> fans like Jeremy Parker. Where are you, Jeremy? What happened to our number one fans? <laughs> yeah. We had another. Who was the other number one fan? I don't know. We had two number one fans, and we can't even remember their name. Eric Hoffman? Was it Eric Hoffman? (laughs) They're like number five and six now, I think. Yeah. We probably have new ones. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, shout out to those people who are going to communicate with us. (laughs) Please send us your love. (laughs) And rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please do that. Let us know what you think. Because that really does actually, I know you hear it on every other podcast, but it does actually really help get um, the podcast out. They, mm-hmm. If people, if it looks like people are liking and commenting on a show, they will put it in front of more people as they're Googling around. So yeah, make sure you go and do that. That helps a lot. Please. So this, uh, <laughs> so this ends uh, our podcast for today, but uh, we'll see you next time. We'll have a wonderful new episode that... Courtney's recorded from Rio, so stay tuned. All right, ciao.